You're listening to DraftKings Network. The rate of flipping per 60 was <laughs> I mean, I would I would have put her expected flips to be a little lower for like a more consistent rate. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Allison Lucan, and we are back with you for episode 11 of the Too Many Men podcast. As always, I am joined by my co host, Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hello. Oh, new wrinkle. <laughs> and Sarah Sivian. Sarah, say hello to the people. Hi, guys. I hope that you are nursing a Cinco de Mayo hangover, even though we are locked inside. <laughs> And we have a very special guest joining us, someone who was described by Twitch watchers as, <laughs> as an elite cup flipper, as a flip cup juggernaut, as nicknamed Jillian McDavid Fisher. Please welcome Jillian Fisher to the podcast. Jillian, welcome. How are you doing? Hello. I was going to say my favorite, though, was Brock McGillis. His commentary when he was doing it was like, she's just an assassin. Oh, it's Michael Jordan meets Wayne Gretzky. I was like, that's it. I have peaked at life at a virtual flip-up tournament. We're done. Oh, my God. He just tweeted, actually, he just tweeted, um, can someone tell me something good to get me through the day? I said, you have devastating chirps. He responded, I really do. <laughs> Amazing. Well, folks, if you, if you don't know what we're referring to, we are referring to the first ever Claws for a Cause virtual flip cup tournament that us three crazily decided to try and put on last Sunday. And to staggering, impressive, mind-blowing, heartwarming results, we picked two COVID-19 uh, charities that are helping those affected by this pandemic that we would divide some funds upon. And, and I want to go around the group real quick. Before this, before the first cup flipped, realistically, what were your expectations for how much money we would raise? Sarah, what was your like wildest dream before we started? Um, honestly, I... I get too oriented and obsessed with certain goals. So I was just thinking anything that I wouldn't have been able to donate myself would be a plus because I was donating, a, I mean, planning on donating at least 400, but 500 at most with my Trump bucks. And we blew that out of the water. So I can't be anything but proud of us. Shana, what was your hope before we started? Realist, be honest here. Well, I, I second everything Sarah said, but yeah, I was, I was like really hopeful. I'm like, all right, let's do this right, get everything together and like make sure it all worked. And that was like my biggest concern. But with like money-wise, I was yeah. thinking like if we could raise $1,000 or even 2000 and go 1000 yeah. for charity, I was like, that would be like, I would be over the moon at that. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I was going to be thrilled with 500 and even before the tournament ended, you guys, we were, thanks to you all, you wonderful, wonderful people, we were over 3,500. And as we record this uh, late afternoon Tuesday, we're going to close um, the, the donations tonight, Tuesday night. But as we record this, we are at $5,350. And 11 cents. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> Every penny counts, okay? Every penny. <laughs> so Honestly. We... Go ahead, Sarah. No, I was just going to say, that's how we got here. Like, all the small contributions ended up meaning the world. We got some huge ones from some anonymous people and from some big people in the hockey world, which is just blows me away and makes me emotional. But, like, the most emotional I was was about how everybody chipped in a little something, it felt like. Absolutely. We can't, we cannot thank you guys enough. Um, we were thrilled um, with how much you guys embraced it. We had, here's your replay live tweeting replays on the live stream. And with Jillian here, Jillian, if, if, how, would, how would you guys describe Jillian's performance? Sarah, you were our MC, you were our commissioner. How would you describe Jillian's performance in the inaugural Flip Cup tournament? Generational, <laughs> electric, elite, <laughs> like, generational, 
is the way I would describe it. One word and one word only. <laughs> Shana, you were keeping track of our bracket. Can you describe how Jillian came on the scene and then what she did round after round? So Jillian opened up against Brock McGillis and, you know, that was a tough matchup off the bat. You know, when we put that together, we were like, that's one of two people, you know, really good people is going home immediately. But they both took it up to such like a fantastic notch with the shit talking off the bat. It was like the perfect way to open things up. So that was her first win. And then she took on the winner of Dan Murphy versus Nick Kizmondi, which was Dan Murphy, who... Was flipping the cups, but it was amazing. Way. Yeah, he was fully flipping the cups and won round one, and then switched his strategy for round two. And I thought was going at a very good speed for you know the first time flipping this way. But Jillian took him right out, and then you were against Stormy, one of our mystery guests. And you know if you can if you can beat someone from Vegas in a drinking game. <laughs> Super impressive. And Jillian didn't take out one reporter from Vegas. She took out two with Jesse Granger in the conference final to move on to verse the locker room, which was uh, Justin was competing for them. And though she fell in the final, it was super impressive because y- you got to see like the the rate of flipping per 60 was <laughs> I mean, I would I would have put her expected flips to be a little lower for like a more consistent rate, <laughs> shooting, at a, <laughs> shooting at a very high percentage. I'm going oh to regret. And she showed us, no, no, my underlying numbers are good and my results match it the entire time. And that is how you become a generational flipper. Julian, can you confirm or deny that that was your first time drinking White Claw? That was my first time drinking White Claw. <laughs> so you changed up your equipment for good luck and it helped. So now you're super safe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because the last round I had to switch over to lime instead of black cherry. And I was like, Ooh. that's not going to mess with me. And clearly it did. Oh, that's God. a big deal. That's okay. a big sway yeah. on the spectrum yeah. of flavors for sure. <laughs> yeah. At that point, though, I was pretty drunk. So <laughs> it kind of, I was like, it's not going to matter. <laughs> Jillian, walk us through the tournament from your perspective. Take us through your process. Yeah. <laughs> take us through the rounds and take us through that experience losing in the final. Yeah. <laughs> Just reliving that heartbreak, she thinks. <laughs> Um, I have to say, first off, thank you guys so much for putting it together, though. It was so much fun. It was just a lot of fun to get like everybody together and just see how many people were there live. Just it's it's been tough to not have any real live sports and the hockey community. I know we, we can talk about some of the flaws of it, but, you know, overall, it's good. And it was just so nice yeah. to see everybody together and getting together for a good cause. And then I just I loved throughout the tournament, how people really fell into like hockey cliches as we were going over it. That was probably my favorite thing. Cause I'm like, I miss it so much. Um, but it was just, honestly, it was just fun. Like it was just, it's been a long time since I felt like we've been able to kind of get together like that. And even though we can do like zoom meetings with friends and everything, it just didn't, it felt different. It felt like a different kind of atmosphere. It's like, I don't know. Now I'm getting sad that it's over and I lost in the <laughs> final, guys. Like, <laughs> I know. I was um, sad that it was over and I think that's a hallmark too. of a good thing. Yeah. And it's just, you know, there was a lot of different personalities, people from all over the U.S. And we had some people, Canadians representing. I don't know if there was any people located in Canada, but we had some Canadians representing. Yes. Um, and I just thought you guys did a really good job of pulling different personalities. Sarah's dad was a really great cameo. <laughs> As soon as he so came on, as soon as he came on, Jonathan, my husband was like, "He's from Boston." Like that was the first thing that came out of his mouth. I was like, "He is." You are right. And the pictures, the pictures on the wall, like, Sarah's yeah. like, "Am I dead?" Like, I know. Like, I in my selfies. I can't deal with them. But my dad won that shirt and a lot of his shirts in the mass lottery, which was probably as Boston as it gets. <laughs> But Jillian, I mean, you seriously, you had a record speed. I'm asking you this seriously. Have you played a lot of Flip Cup? Are you just good at drinking games? Where did that come from? (laughs) I I was not kidding when I said that I tried to get Flip Cup at the wedding. Um, (laughs) Like when we did tours of venues, I was like, all right, what drinking games are allowed? And so we we got a venue that allowed for beer pong, but we weren't allowed to have beer in the cups because we got married in New York City and a lot of the venues 
don't allow you to like do shots and things like that. So we, there was no flip cup allowed. Like everybody was like hard no on flip cup. Um, back in high school and college, yes, I was an avid flip cupper, but it had been a long time and I was never consistently good. That's the thing I was saying before we got on this call, I was essentially the Ilya Brizgalop of flip cup. Some days I'd be out of this world and other days you didn't want me on your team. But when I was good, oh, you wanted me on your team. Maybe you just needed to go rogue and prove yourself all along on a one-person yeah. team. <laughs> just a one-person team. Five, five cups was a lot. I will say that, though. But when you said five cups, my heart sank. I'm like, I got to drink a lot. That's going to be a lot of alcohol. Yeah. I'm not ready that for that. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. I don't know what I was thinking, but whatever. It was, it was to make it fair, though, because we couldn't do multiple rounds. Like, at first, we were like, oh, maybe yeah. we'll do best of three for everybody. And then we started calculating the time. We're like... I don't think everyone's going to sit around all day. Like, were this no. like a seven-hour thing then? So we had to. Well, who started it, it with the up. half cups? Remember, someone started the the tournament. Jesse, with- of course, oh is. He's like yeah. a half cups okay. It's Hall. I'm like it's an, ounce. Him. an ounce. <laughs> and he still won, like with flying colors through that round. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hall Gill's kids are chirping him. I'm like, I live for this so much. Now they want to play flip cup with him. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> like also though, like how great is it that he gets to say because he played Hal Gill, right? He gets to say that he beat the yeah. Stanley Cup champion. Like that's amazing. amazing. That's just like the only regret I have is that I can't say that I beat a Stanley Cup. Honestly, I'll drive against one next time because you know this went so well. We do again for sure. <laughs> now, I Jillian, appreciate that. For 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 those of us who who had a little bit of a window into your post tournament experience and what you sacrificed for the cause it's good to have you with us in full form how was your recovery from the tournament itself again i have to give my husband a shout out he was the post game mvp he cleaned the entire table uh he had me drinking pedialyte responsibly he got me fried rice so i had a good carb to protein ratio uh, he got me a second Pedialyte, uh, and then he stayed up with me while I watched Netflix because I wasn't ready for bed because I was fired up. Uh, and then uh, I guess at one point I decided it was a good idea to clean the red Solo cups. So I watched the red Solo cups. Don't know why. Yeah. Uh, and I, I hadn't drank White Claw before, and I just um, – they hit different. You know, White Claw oh is God, a little you sure. yeah, realize just how much you're drinking you know like oh, they just go don't. down easy you're slugging yeah. them down next thing you know you're hammered you wake up in the morning you're like god i hate white claws but you don't you're gonna do it all no, over i didn't hate no well also i was an idiot and i was drinking in between the rounds because i'm like this is just um, going down like water you know it's yeah. going down <laughs> so, uh, it, you have the college experience there think about it though like you're yeah. playing flip cup most people are not playing sober so no. you need you need to keep drinking in between it, but I guess they don't expect to play four or five rounds. I have to say, there were some sober people who I was not expecting to be sober. Like I expect sports writers to be a group of degenerates. I think that was Sarah's <laughs> word, yeah. and I was like, "This is the exact way to describe it." And I was a little bit disappointed in the lack of some of the degenerates there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to do better drafting next yeah. time. <laughs> well, also, you had a really big matchup. Uh, on the right side of the bracket, I was surprised. I wanted to know the the reasoning behind putting Pete Blackburn and Julie Stewart Banks against each other in round one. <laughs> was it because you had to have them go against each other, or like is well, that just how it happened? It was like you and Bro- well, first of all, I tried to um, separate Americans from Canadians just because I thought Canadians would be too nice, and that turned <laughs> out not being the case at all. Give it rock, but I thought it's like. I wanted to make the balance good between like people that I know were going to like chirp each other and go at it yeah. and get into it and like get like hyped up and then people that like needed to come out of their shells more. And um, there were a few, I think I, I think we did well with the mix of matchups, but um, I definitely, okay. I also didn't want to waste too much of Julie's time because I know yeah. she has this uh, show every night. So I'm yeah. like thinking if she loses, like maybe like, it'll be nice for her to get back onto whatever she had to do. But like, that was, that was a matchup. <laughs> I think that the, other part, the other part that's hard is like, you want it spaced out that like people who you think will go far, you're not like putting everyone together in the same yeah. side of the bracket. Like it's, it's like a scattered, 
but we also don't have a scouting report on how everyone's going to do with <laughs> There are people you assume like they're probably good drinkers. And then there are some that are like, I've never played flip cup or I don't know her. And you're like, wait, right. I'm just surprised by the amount of people who have not played flip cup. Like I thought it was Dude. an essential. Yeah. <laughs> It was staggering. And what was even funnier was that Sarah sent everyone a message of how we were going to play, what the rules were. And people, st- like Pete Blackburn of all people, shows up with the wrong number of cups. Like, four cups. I mean, are we four really surprised? <laughs> and some, I guess, the issue was like, if you don't have the cups, you're shit out of luck. You're not getting up and going to the food center and be like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Or I can order them but get here on time. Like, there was not enough time to do it. That was like, you have them where you don't. Right. Uh, and that, I'd like to get, give a shout out to my husband. He ran out and got me Red Sox. Well, also, he doesn't like when I leave the house because I come back and I'm like, I clearly have coronavirus. And he's like, he has to deal with it. <laughs> so he's, you know, oh the God. amount that he can keep me not going crazy is beneficial for his <laughs> mental health. <laughs> so we've, we've shared some of them, but and, and Shana and Sarah and I were sharing some of these yesterday as well but let's just go around and, and folks share some of your favorite standout moments from the tournament for people who maybe couldn't be there and, and take it all in for what it was <laughs> Shana what was one of your favorite moments um your play-by-play was unbelievable <laughs> so we we knew the three of us were commentating like that was figured out but it's not like we were like okay this one do this this one do this like and then before we started to, like, okay Sarah you announce the rounds like you say who's coming in and we figured like Let's go with it. Allison comes in guns a blazing and guns killing it every yeah every single one. And I'm like, I'm listening to you, and like you know, there's no need for a color commentator. There's a, just just watching awe because you were going and you were coming up with so quickly with like hockey puns and clever sayings, and I'm just like, how the hell are you getting this commentary from pickup? And as it got, as it went on, you just kept going and getting better. So top notch, elite, play-by-play. If anyone needs a play-by-play caller, any sport, as she has shown you, she can do flip cup. Any sport is possible. <laughs> Sarah, what, what was something that stood out to you? I loved all, I was so worried that like people weren't going to, feel included in it because it wasn't like everybody playing fit. Like this was one of the biggest concerns I had when I was trying to plan the event. Like I want to include everybody in hockey Twitter that I possibly can. So we can all have a big giant party, but like it's, that's impossible. <laughs> like, and we're all going to be like doing a relay flip cup tournament. Cause that's ridiculous. And we have things to do. And it was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to pick 32 people that like we think would be fun. And that could like definitely come. And, um, that people would want to watch and hang out with. And I was so glad that um, the Twitch stream was like a little party in itself too. And that so mm-hmm. many people watched and that um, they were getting into it because I didn't want anybody to feel left out. And I was glad that um, it was a communal experience. And I loved the person who commented because um, Marissa had her name. was <laughs> I, oh I've had God, nine. So Someone funny. said, well, I want to know what happened to Marissa's first eight iPads. I don't know why I found that so funny, but it was hilarious. I have to say, I nearly died when finally, when Joe Smith from Tampa went out and Sarah masterfully pulled up the apology tweet that the team put out when they were swept last year and read it. (laughs) You don't have the words and you don't want to hear them. That was, that was like, I mean, like, I don't think I'm that funny, but I think that was like a moment where I, I laughed at my own joke. Jillian, what are are some of your favorite moments? I mean, the moments you guys listed are all amazing, but I think the thing, I don't know if it was a favorite moment or just was surprising, just knowing that people were actually actively watching on Twitch. Like that was just, I I know Twitch is not familiar, like not a familiar platform for everybody, but like even my freaking (laughs) mother-in-law would text me a picture, which like, that's a separate conversation that I'm not in the mood for. Um, But she like texted me afterwards and she's like can I talk to you about it and I'm like honey I am drunk no um, <laughs> but like even she was watching like bless her heart for watching on Twitter on Twitch but like just the fact that there was other people watching is just it was just yeah. a cool thing to think like we 
we don't have live sports, so a virtual flip cup tournament brought us together. It was pretty cool. <laughs> and, and we would be remiss if we didn't share with the people who weren't able to attend what exactly Jillian was wearing. Jillian, can, oh, yeah. Jillian, can you share with us your attire for the evening, please? I had on a Yoshi uh, onesie, like so it had like the actual head of Yoshi. And <laughs> for the people who asked, I explained it that night. We went to Tokyo. We were in Japan for two weeks, and we were in Tokyo. And uh, we did the, like, Mari Kart. It's, I think it's shut down now because Nintendo yelled at them for this. But you you put on a onesie from, like, some character from the Nintendo universe. And uh, we I dressed up as ba- – I got my Bowser onesie, and Jonathan had his Yoshi onesie. And so when we were done – you know, we you literally drive over the rainbow bridge on it, which is like I'm living my childhood <laughs> dreams. Um, which was it was just really cool. So we purchased them just for fun when we came when we left. And mine was Bowser, but it, I was like sweating bullets in the Yoshi costume alone. Like, I, and the Bowser one is a much heavier material. So in a reality, I would have loved to have been Bowser, but Yoshi Yoshi brought the house down. So that's all that matters. <laughs> and there was another spectacular outfit that happened in round one, which was we've already mentioned how Gil was there, but but who would like to round <laughs> out? Was there at our flip cup tournament? <laughs> 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 who Thank who you, would Al, like Skillsy? Who would like to round out exactly what his whole setup looked like and what he was wearing and then what Jesse did I honestly thought he had a green screen because it looked like he was just like, you know how you have like a fake Zoom backgrounds? I thought that's what he had at first. I legitimately did because it was – was it? I don't know if it was palm trees, but they're like looked like there was a blue pool, like yeah. a pool, maybe a body it was of like water a of some sort. Perfect pool right there. Yeah. He was on his phone, like you could tell that off the bat. That's why I was like, okay, he's outside. Like it's not like a Zoom background. When he came on on his phone, he had the pool, the lawn, everything, and the hat. The hat. He had a the hat. straw hat on, and he had a shirt that said "Gilly Gilly." <laughs> I'm like, is that that? How Gil came to play in our flip cup tournament, and then he setting up cups. Had the hat to match. What's that, Justin, Shana? Jesse had the hat to match too. That's what was incredible. It's not just he's going up against Hal Gil. He sees the straw hat and he brings out his own and just casually starts wearing it too. Yep. <laughs> It was amazing. I, I just, I can't believe we pulled it off. The three of us kept texting each other, like just shocked. I know. <laughs> we really are doing this. I'm like, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe and it. And you guys kept got- it on schedule too. Like it was, you kept it going. Like it wasn't too long. And like, I, I agree, like having best of three would have been tough. So like the five cups, was probably the correct amount for a good representative data on the flipping. <laughs> it was just impressive. It was. I was surprised that it did seem to go off without a hitch. You'd be surprised. We had a spreadsheet of times. We ha- we like had a full spreadsheet, and we're like, okay, got times for everyone. We gave everyone five minutes because. So we talked about this last week on the podcast. We didn't know how long a round would take, especially with five cups. So I made my family play, and it was both of my parents and both of my sisters line up the five cups and they were going one V one matchups versus each other. I'm like, I need to know the time. So start drinking. Let's go see what you got in you. And like everything ended like below three minutes. And I'm like, okay, I think we're going to be okay. Like once I saw that and I'm like, even accounting for if you're absolutely horrible, like someone's going to fly through and do it in 50 seconds. It'll be fine. And you were one of those people who flew through. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> any, any other thoughts or favorite memories from the tournament guys? The Dan Murphy's cups killed me. <laughs> Flipping them right. That, that. And they had the scratch-offs on the cups. Like, okay. everything about it was perfect. Can the video, like, that we tweet this out with, please just be Dan Murphy trying to flip cups? Honestly, Gizmo, we have to put that. Did this happen? That was, like, that a was little amazing. embarrassing. But he <laughs> had a dog in the beginning, so, like, I think that um, all is forgiven. But. <laughs> I honestly was taken aback by my dad coming on the Zoom chat and immediately calling himself a virgin. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> Saying he was giving a bye week. That was amazing. <laughs> amazing. And, and then I was oh, sorry, I was looking uh, no, it's okay. I was looking back on um the video and I was like, okay, can I count down from five? And he goes, Can you? <laughs> Good one, Dad. <laughs> 
It was uh, th- that was probably the, the best uh, mystery guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we obviously had a great time, and um, we even yesterday issued a challenge to the community to try and get to five thousand. And um, we have a person who asked to remain anonymous of uh, put us over that limit almost immediately. Uh, like I said, we're currently at fifty three hundred. We will um, post our final final and the final bracket over at too many men pod.com forward slash clause for a cause. So you can check out our final amount there, but um, we obviously could not have done it with just like Sarah said, everyone who gave a donation, no matter how big or how small, everyone who supported us via Twitch, everyone who participated, um, we must, must, must thank Alexa Longmuir who did our logo and graphics we have to thank Alexa Goldman, who built the website for us in the freaking first place. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to uh, take in snapshots, um, we have the video. We'll try and uh, clip it up, but it's three hours long, so I have to I have to gear up for that. But in the meantime, uh, Brock McGillis's tweeter twi- tweeter timeline is is a gift it's an absolute gift of commentary of his own and here's your replay has um some replay as well so uh, just again from the bottom of our heart you guys thank you so much um and because we because i'm an idiot and posted this to the three of us i said well if we get over five thousand, we should do a flip cup tournament for three of us (laughs) so Coming soon, uh, we will announce that on our Twitter. Um, please follow us if you aren't already at two underscore much underscore man. Um, and we will be posting when we will be live streaming that tournament. Um, we are believing that Brock McGillis is going to be our MC and, and play-by-play commentator. So uh, watch for that. And again, just from the bottom of our hearts, thank you guys so, so much. Sarah and Shana, any final thoughts on the tournament itself and all that we were able to do? Honestly, nice. just thanks every. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, no, you really, go, you go. really <laughs> off sync today. Um, <laughs> I honestly just thanks so much, everybody. That was the most fun I've had in quarantine, and the fact that it was for a good cause was awesome. It made me feel less alone, made me miss you guys, but like was just so happy to reconnect with everybody. Yep, second all that. Thank you for being degenerates with us and drinking with us and having fun and doing something for a good cause. I mean. We're playing flip cup and who knew? I mean, I hope everyone's training for next year. (laughs) Are we training for next year? Can we ask Julian some questions? Please. please. I've been jumping every since this happened because I love your videos. I just, just, it seems like you came out of nowhere and I'm just so curious about like (laughs) what happened the day you decided to record your first video and wait and um, tell people a little bit about yourself or everybody knows you, but if they didn't. Um, so, I mean, I have been doing it for a while, I would say about five years and it started just as writing. I was writing blogs about sport and culture because that's my background is anthropology. Like I did my thesis in Spain, um, about sport and culture. And so it's just my, it's been my passion and I was always fans. Fans were always what excited me. That's always what I was, you know, without, that's why when they talk about sports without fans, I'm like, I want it, but I also hate it. Like, <laughs> um, so one, I, I guess it kind of became something that money started coming in. So I was like, of course, like in today's world, there's no such thing as just having a hobby anymore. There's this pressure yeah. to monetize everything that you're doing. So I was like, well, obviously that's what I have to do. So I started doing it and I kind of got tired of it. So one day I was drinking and I filmed a, a drunk hockey about Yamir Yager and the Olympics. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's like, so I had made some like travel vlogs because I was doing a lot of um, consulting. So I would go around to different places. I worked for a company. I, I traveled to Australia. I did some PR for them. I just, and I was always looking at like little gigs here and there at different places to kind of fund my passion. And it had gotten to the point where I was like, why am I even doing this anymore? I was miserable. I hated everything. And I liked editing videos. I really enjoyed that because I enjoyed creating a story from the vlogs. Like you would, you know, film everything. And I loved piecing all that together. And so that's when I was like, I'm just going to sit down. I had seen drunk um, Lauren Hardo. I'm trying to remember what my drunk kitchen. And I was like, why the heck not? Like, let's do that for sports. And so I really liked that. And I just kind of started doing that. And then 
one day I had collected jerseys and shirts from all of my travels. I mean, I have a bunch of soccer ones, a bunch of football ones, but hockey was something that always spoke to me more. So I made the video of like every NHL fan in the off season. And that's the one that went viral. So that was like not last summer, but the summer before. And again, the same thing happened where it's like, oh my gosh, like, why aren't you monetizing this? Like, but bigger brands started coming to me, like the NHL, NBC. Mm -hmm. And while it was fun working with them and they were wonderful to work with, I was personally unhappy Mm -hmm. um, because it's, you don't have to monetize everything that you're doing. Like, yes, maybe long-term that's it. But like right now I just like making the video. So I took, I did take some time off just to kind of like prioritize my life um, and remove the, the monetization of it. I just was not happy with that aspect of it. Um, because you feel this weird sense of pressure. You feel this pressure to please everybody. There's a lot that goes into it where it just kind of like sucks the fun out of it a little bit. And, and that has nothing to do with like who I worked with. It was a personal thing, like an inter thing. And so what, when everything started going down, you know, the seasons get canceled. I was like, you know, I, it's been a while. I've been meaning to make a video, but I just, wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing it for any other purpose other than just for fun. And I'm like, well, there's no money to be made right now. Like, there's just like, there's literally no money to be made. Like if I, if I sent this over to anybody like proposed any of these, cause like, that's what I would do. I would just send no pitches pressure. over. They're not going to say yes because they have no money. Like there's nothing they're making. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Now is the time I have extra free time. Uh, because I was a bartender, and as we all know what happened, I, you know, there's nothing open. So I'm like, well, I'm 100% unemployed. And last year I was a contractor doing all this stuff with all these different brands. So I was making literally $0 because I wasn't eligible for unemployment at that time. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. This is going to be strictly for fun. I have no money anywhere. And I'm really, ha- like, as weird as it sounds, like I'm happy that kind of all happened because it got me back into it in a, in a way that I was trying to figure out how to get back into making videos, which was just strictly for fun for myself, no pressure. And like, it turns out all it took was a global pandemic, you know, no big deal, but go ahead, Sarah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I was like, I super excited to get you on the podcast because I watched <laughs> you talk about this stuff. And I think it's so, like you obviously are lighthearted about it, but you were also serious. And it's so hard for people to admit when you don't have to monetize everything. And that once you have your dream job or what you perceive to be your dream job, it's like it's still a job. And it's yep. still sometimes <laughs> yeah. in creative um, minds, it can be hard to like compartmentalize that with like how much fun you still need to have. Like you don't want to make a video or like do a funny post in my case if like your heart's not in it. So. Yeah. The fact that you could admit that and step away when I'm, I'm sure you felt a little guilty or a little bit like maybe even you're letting people down because also we can talk about the fact that I think a lot of people comment on your videos like I needed this. Thank you for like yeah. making my day better. So like how did that feel like trying to um, reconcile that with your brain? It's tough because also ever like they see this person you guys understand what it's like to be a woman in sports or just a woman in general. You're only allowed to have like certain aspects of a personality. You're not allowed to be serious and funny. You're not allowed to be happy and, and, you know, strict. You, you have to be one side of everything. So it was definitely tough because you you feel like you can only present certain sides of yourself, which was, which I think was another part that like, as it got bigger, it got tough to reconcile that as well. And at a certain point, you have to put yourself first. And it it took a couple, like it was definitely a domino effect. And there was a straw that broke the camel's back. Like my mom was not feeling well. I made a video where I made a horrendous mistake. And it's not just a mistake, but it was a a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. And at one point, everything just broke. Like my mom, we weren't sure what was happening. Like she was having heart trouble. Um, the season was about to get started and I, all summer long, I was like, as soon as the season starts, I'll be fine. I kept telling myself that because I was just literally struggling to get out of bed. And like, as somebody that's dealt with depression and anxiety, you think that I would have known that that's a classic (laughs) sign of depression. Uh, but alas, I was, you know, you just, you don't want to admit to yourself sometimes, especially when you've worked so hard 
and this, yes. you know, working for NBC, working for the NHL, that was never the dream that I had. But like, what do you do when you're everyone's like, you kind of have like this dream job. And all along, I was like, hey, I'm making money. Like that was kind of the goal if I was when I started doing it. And it just all kind of fell apart at once, which is I think you just need that sometimes like everything just yes. kind of broke down. And I just I couldn't bring myself to make the videos. And my mom, I was down visiting my family because my mom was sick. And she was like, it was really hard to reconcile with you because I'd watch you like almost in tears getting ready. I, I liked once I sat down and filmed the video, the editing was fun for me. I always enjoyed that. But like getting up and like writing and doing all that. And it gets exhausting to be everything. I mm-hmm. wrote, oh I filmed, God, yeah. I did the audio, I did the editing, I did the social media, I did the marketing, I did the sales, I did the, you know, I did everything. And it gets lonely too because I'm at home. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's all I'm doing is at home by myself. And again, everything just broke. And like, in the, in the best way possible, everything just broke down. And I was like, I actually, I could, I'm, I'm an idiot and I could have kept going and I did try. And that's when I was like, I think I just need to take a step back. And I went quiet. I was kind of quiet about it in the beginning because I was still trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Cause it was even in October, I still was having a hard time acknowledging that I was clinically depressed because nobody wants like nobody's like yeah I want to be depressed like nobody wants yeah. that you know <laughs> so, I was like this is great I love being depressed um, <laughs> so it was definitely a hard thing but I think sometimes when light when you're when you won't recognize it on your own life has a way of throwing it in your face and you can choose to ignore it and I think I ignored it for a good chunk of time um, and luckily I was able to recognize it and when I did I was happy that I did and I, I'm like, I, I, I have a lot of privilege. I'm a very privileged person. I was able to stop. I was able to not work for a couple mm-hmm. of months. I mean, yes, I was responsible and I saved, but I recognize that comes from a position of privilege and knowing that if I failed, my husband's there or, you know, or was my family at the time or my parents, you know, they would let me come live at home if I absolutely needed to and all these things. Um, but still, it's not an easy thing to do to say, hey, I have like, I had sent a pitch over to NBC. They had said, yeah, let's do it. And I had to be like, hey, guys. I'm not going to do it. And that's, you know, at that point you're like, Hey, am I never going to work for them again? Like it's insane to think like, Oh my gosh, I had a, I I was touring their building. I got it to tour the studios in Connecticut. And I'm just like this girl that makes dumb videos, you know? (laughs) So like, that's insane to like walk away from that. But it's, I think it's a sign of strength when I look back at it. Oh yeah. Don't say they're dumb though. Like I think they're videos like, they they're funny, they are. but that doesn't they, yeah. mean they're dumb. Like you say some brilliant jokes in there. That's yeah. just like you <laughs> clearly research this and it's clearly it's actually very smart. Thank it, you. It, I mean they're silly videos. I'll say this. They're silly videos. They're not they're not they're silly in the but sports I think have become so serious and that's yeah. why I like to inject some silly into it because it's sports guys. Like they're they they do have a they as somebody that studied it, they have this important part in our society, whether people like to admit it or not. But at the same time, they also are entertainment. That's also, that's a tough line to balance, of course. But there, some parts of it need to be silly and we need to be reminded that like we take fandom a little bit too serious. And that's why I like to poke fun at it. Absolutely. A, a, little, a little too serious. Just a little. <laughs> a little, Just a little, you know, a little bit. <laughs> well, and, and Jillian, I, you know, it's funny. I, like I'm always amazed at two things. Yeah. The first is, and I legitimately want to know more about this, like when I watch your videos and you you breezed over this a bit earlier, but like, did you have to go buy a shit ton of swag from teams you didn't have swag from? Because like, what in the world? And, and then like, you know, from my job, it, it it's, I'm always amazed at the different perspective it requires if you're going to cover the league nationally, right? Because you have to understand 31 teams yeah. and you are always on the nose with the identity, the pulse of every team. So how do you connect so specifically and accurately at at a level that I think is really, really hard when you talk about that many teams? Uh, Again, I think it comes back to like this idea of being a woman in sports where you feel like this heightened pressure where it's like, if you say one tiny thing wrong, like Mm -hmm. you let it, you let everybody Mm -hmm. down. Um, So I am really, (laughs) 
too hard on myself a lot of times. Like even my husband's like, why do you like, he's like, what do you what? This is like the 30th time you've read through it. Why are you doing it again? I'm like, I have to be perfect. That's also, I'm a perfectionist. So like that's, <laughs> well, you know. So, so right on that yeah. though, if you got one detail wrong, it's like, see, you're a woman, you shouldn't be in sports. And it's exactly. like, you don't, you, don't, you can't mm-hmm. give an inch. So you kick yourself in the ass until you yeah. do it like yeah. absolutely perfectly perfect. for that. Yeah. So and that, let's be honest. Sorry, sorry. If some of us weren't perfectionists as women in sports, then we wouldn't be where we are. Okay, carrying yeah. on. It's, it's, like, it's definitely like a, an unhealthy line that I think every, I'm sure everybody in sports feels it because sports fans are tough in general. Um, but I think it's just this line that anybody that has tried to break into the industry, especially as a woman, understands where it's like you have, you feel this unnecessary need to be perfect at every level. Um, so there's, I mean, that's, there's that part of it, but that's also something I enjoy doing being connected with fans. Um, that's I, I like when I, when I went to my answer professor when I was in college and I was like, can I study sports? And she was like, absolutely. And I wrote my first ethnography with her and she was like, holy shit. Like I had no idea. And she just became fascinated by it too. And like, I still keep in touch with her, but like for her, she was just enamored with this idea of every fan base is unique in their own way. And I, that's always been a passion of mine ever. Like I played sports growing up, not hockey because my parents wouldn't commit to buying me gear because I changed my mind all the time when I was a kid. So like, I can't blame them, but even like when I played in travel soccer and we would go around and everyone's like, Oh, you're from Hokeston. Like we know about you. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? But I get it. Um, So it was, it's just something that has always fascinated me. But I, again, I am really hard on myself to like a, to a degree sometimes, especially when I was doing this for money and trying to make sure, it more of a sure. career. And I became obsessed with it to an unhealthy degree where I couldn't even enjoy any of the work that I did because I would just look at it and be like, I got that wrong, or I could have done that or that. And I would overanalyze everything. It became an unhealthy obsession. Um, so it's good that I took a step back because now I can appreciate it more. Probably too leisurely because I started writing the Pacific's quarantine video I wrote one, t- technically two lines, laughed at my joke, and I haven't touched it. Since. So, <laughs> I, in my, I read it to my home. husband. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I read it to him. He was like, "That's amazing. What else do you have?" I'm like, "No, you need to appreciate the joke that I said." Like, he actually like, laughed out loud. Yeah, <laughs> well, because I'm like, I don't know. I finally figured out like the situation that they're going to be in. Um, but I, the other thing I've learned is like to not be hard on myself, to not force myself to write every single day. Or if I'm not feeling like writing, or if I think of one line, write it. And then if I feel like writing 10 lines, write it. Um, and that's probably been the best part about it for me is that now I can really enjoy getting you know nitty gritty with each team, but also trying not to be too hard on myself. And that's you know trying to take a step back and not get too involved in that again and it's tough because like I do get a lot of like people who are like can you come and do this can you come do that and for the most part I've said no because I don't want to go fall back into that so quickly for sure now about the clothes don't skip that answer oh oh, I'm so sorry I totally (laughs) forgot that one I rambled that's a problem no 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 no. (laughs) so when I was blogging and writing a lot of what I was doing was traveling to different cities And I would work with like a different travel bureau or tourism bureau um, and just do like on the ground research for them because the sports tourism industry is a billion dollar industry. So there's a lot of money to be made there. Not right now, of course, but um, it's something that people were highly interested in. And if you can get somebody to do the travel for you, so I would travel, I pay my way up front and then they would pay me to do some work. And then I would maybe make this ad with this brand I was piecemealing everything together, going to all these different places. And everywhere I went, whether I saw that team or not, I picked up the sh- a shirt. That was what I was doing. Gotcha. So there was probably like maybe five or six teams. The first video I made that I was like, I'm so close to completing this. Let me just go to Amazon and order the last couple. Yeah, yeah. So there, I like, and I had one time I had planned a trip to Western, Western California. Listen, who the am I? Um, I have planned a trip to Western California. Uh, I have planned a West Coast trip where I was going to hit all three of the uh, California teams. And that fell through. And I had already had the shark shirt. So what I did is I bought the Kings and the Ducks. 
and I ultimately didn't make it out there. So that was two teams who I hadn't been out in the LA area, but I was planning something and the everything fell through kind of last minute. Right. Um, so I didn't make it there, but there was a couple teams that I just hadn't been there, like Winnipeg that I you know, just bought off of Amazon. And then what happened last year, I, people, so many people sent me things. Mm. Um, so, and like when I did the NHL awards, they sent me a bunch of jerseys and shirts for the team because they had to be branded. Gotcha. So there, like, I technically do have a penguins Jersey that I had to wear for that. <laughs> and I actually took a, my mom's the best. I took a video of me wearing it to her and she dead serious was like, this is not funny. She was like, you need to take that off right now. She's like, Jillian, why are you doing this? Like, why? Like, I, I, I broke her heart. Uh, I'll have to find, I tweeted it a while ago. Um, I remember it. Yes. She was not happy. Like, this is the woman who, when we came home from New York City the first time, we had bought like one of those packs of shot glasses and it had a Yankee shot glass in it. I shit you not, she went outside and threw it and broke it. So. I think we can all get on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I get on board with the action of yeah. crossing it, oh. but not being a specifically the Yankee one. Yeah. I, that would be the one I keep, obviously. So, I mean, I think that's the thing is that just it's something that takes time to collect all that. And last year I got lucky people like, you know, they see you in something like, I want you to have this one. Um, so I got sent a lot of newer swag. I have gained some quarantine weight. And like, that's why in the last video, <laughs> my uh, avalanche shirt, it like has a tie at the top. And my, <laughs> all of my weight has kind of gone to my boobs like, everywhere, honestly, but my boobs, I'm feeling it the most. And so I put it on and I was like, I can't, I'm uncomfortable. So I had the beanie and I put the beanies on. And I'm like, this is the new quarantine way to do this. <laughs> We're getting resourceful here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which ones do you think make it the easiest for you? Like, who gives you the most material, and who, which ones do you think oh. are the most fun to write for? Oh, I like this version of it because I get a lot of the like, which teams are hard to write for? And I'm like, I don't want to say them by name, but here they yeah, are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, Carolina gives a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Also, because they don't take themselves too serious. So it makes it so much more fun to do it because you're like, I'm not going to offend them. Like they appreciate it. You um, get Tampa. You, yes. You get yeah. Carolina market. <laughs> like you, you came here and like, I've learned with these people that, um, I mean, I obviously came here two seasons ago. I'm young yeah. here too, but like, if you make an effort to actually understand them and actually understand the reason for the attendance and it's not that hard, yeah. people just pay attention, yeah. then like yeah. they will welcome you with open arms and they've clearly done that for you. Like I noticed that everybody loves you here. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but why well, did say, cause I've been to a lot of different like tailgates and different arenas they were probably the most welcoming, not just like with me, but yeah. just in general, there was this different vibe. And obviously it's different. Like they're clinching a spot in the playoffs for the first time. And you know, the decade, there's a different atmosphere there versus if you go in the middle of the season, but still, even with that, it was just, it was incredible to see the hospitality there. Um, I find that like the, the, like the non-traditional, I hate saying non-traditional markets. Cause like, it's just like, what's a traditional market right, then? Like, right. shut up, please shut up. Um, <laughs> but those types of markets where you, people like to shit on it because it's different. They, they, they don't take hockey as serious as maybe they think they should. Um, yeah. they find that those markets tend to be a little bit more receptive. Obviously there, there's hate everywhere, but that's in anything you do, but like markets like Nashville, like, um, Carolina. The one that surprised me the most was Edmonton because I thought for sure Edmonton would hate me because right. it's like I, would, I imagined it to be more of like this rigid hockey culture. They didn't take anything serious. Like they loved it. They were having so much fun. I was so surprised by the hospitality in Edmonton. I loved Edmonton when I went there. Um, so the market, I think the, the toughest part is when a team is just consistently in the middle of the road. Like Dallas is one of those teams where not right now, but like last season where it's like, they don't have a ton. That's actually a terrible example. They have, a, they gave me great material. Dallas is a bad example. All the, the yeah, stuff that happened last season. Yeah. Harsh it, yeah. <laughs> but there's market or like Ottawa where it's pretty much consistently like, Oh wow. You know, they have terrible ownership. They're not doing well. Maybe in a couple of years, they'll have a great draft, but you don't want to keep harping on the same thing. So like any team that's like yeah. not consistently in the middle of the road or they have something like exciting happening. And that just tends to happen. Like, in Carolina or like I'm really familiar with Philadelphia, but things happen in Philly. 
um, those teams, they make it easier for you when there's fun things to make fun of. So you referenced a mistake before in a video, but um, the way you responded to it was kind of, it seemed to me like a textbook perfect way to uh, take hold of the situation and apologize. Can you like, if you feel comfortable, kind of walk through that experience and like how you dealt with it? Well, I, the first thing I want to say is like the the problem that a lot of times that happens is they tend to focus, like if somebody gets it right, they're like, oh, like they focus a lot on like the redemption arc, which doesn't well, happen there? a lot. Yeah. Who's um, the media, media yeah. in general. Sure. Um, yeah. So I just want to point that out. We tend to focus on the redemption arc of a white person a lot more than if we were of any other person. Um, yeah. So what happened was I made a video and it's important to know, like when I was making videos, I still had a contracting job where I worked and that was like our really, really busy time for what the job that I was doing. Typically I was working like 20 hours, but I was kind of at the 40 hour mark with them. So I was trying to make videos. It was that time where I'm trying to reconcile being unhappy doing this, but forcing myself to do it because I felt this pressure. So I was making a video and I put the wrong image I'm trying to, I'm, I was Nazem Kadri and Belmar and I grabbed the wrong image. And everyone's like, how do you grab the wrong image? That's not the important part. If you want, I'm happy to explain. That's not the important part, how the wrong image was grabbed. And somebody right away when I posted it was like, you used the wrong player. So immediately I'm like, do I delete this video or do I acknowledge it and apologize? Like I wasn't sure honestly what to do because I didn't want to yeah. delete it because I didn't want people to think I was running from it. Um, right. So I was having a hard time figuring out. So I, the first thing I did was I wrote underneath the video, like, Hey, I did this, like based on like hockey's racist history, like what's going on in hockey. I understand how problematic this is. And I just apologized because I, I didn't want to delete it. And it's worth noting that like these videos on Twitter, they tend to go that for some reason on Twitter, they go really, really viral. Um, in terms of like views for hockey, I guess, like maybe yes. not in like the grand scheme of <laughs> thing, but like in yeah. views of hockey, you know, a hundred thousand is not a lot, but like in hockey, not a lot of things are getting those views. Not a lot. There, there definitely is. But, and so usually what happens is I kind of stay with the video for a little bit after, but I was working a lot and I missed a lot of what happened and like the outrage over. And it, that's the other thing is like on Twitter, everything gets amplified because because of what ha- like how racist hockey can is not can be is and like all of the all of the tw- I was missing all of the tweets and also because my notifications were set up in such a way that I didn't see a lot of it um and so somebody dm'd me and somebody that like I knew dm'd me and just explained like hey like by the way this is you still have this video up and they sent me this link to a tweet. And so I responded to that girl and like genuinely saying, like, I did this, like, I don't know what else to do. Like I, I, I did what I thought. And she's like, you should delete the video. So I deleted the video and I explained like, I didn't delete it because I thought people would think I was running from a mistake, which I did not want people to think that I was doing. Like, it's important that people understand that the outrage was, I mean, one, I made this, it's not just a mistake. This is something that people of color in hockey deal with every single day. These are things that they're struggling with all like that. I, I, there's numerous examples that we've seen recently. So it's not, it's not just a mistake. I don't want to say it like that. Do you know what I mean? Like that's right. when, when, yeah. as soon as I said it before, I'm like people, it wasn't just a mistake. Like this is hockey's racist history and current yes. times. Um, and whether or like, whether or not my intentions were to be that way, it does not matter what matters is what happened. Um, and so I think a lot of times it's very easy to get defensive because you're like, everyone's calling you racist and you're like, I know I'm not, but like, does it hurt to look at yourself and be like, fuck, how did this happen? Like how did, even if it was just me being lazy because I didn't review my video before I posted it, that's still a problem. Like that's not like that's, it still happens. So like you have to look at yourself. And I think as long as you're coming from a place of being genuine and wanting to be a part of a solution instead of fighting back. It's very easy to want to fight back, right? Like that's, I think that's a human instinct. Um, But when you're listening to people 
it's it's tough to to try to ignore from both sides because you're hearing it from both sides of the argument. One is clearly wrong and one is clearly right, but you're hearing all of these things and I it had never happened to me and I just thought like okay, I'm just going to listen to the people who need to be heard here. Um so I apologize. The, the important thing was for me talking to people who didn't think it was a problem um, mm-hmm. and trying to educate as to why it mattered. Like, even if you don't think I'm, it's not up to, it's not up to me to say whether it, it's racist mm-hmm. or not, because you mm-hmm. have to listen to the people of color. You have to listen to the people who are impacted by things. Um, so it's not, an, it's never an easy thing to be like, holy shit, I made this huge thing. This was, this is a problem. And you always want to think that you're a part of the solution and not part of the problem, but like to the like, holy shit, I was a part of the problem. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, so I think that's when your intentions are to try to be a part of the solution and like to truly be a part of the solution. I don't think it's hard to do per se. It's not, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be like, I made a huge error. The hockey is racist. I want to help. Um, tell me what to do. And not even tell me what to do. That's terrible. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> like, you should know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's tough. It's tough. You're like, the way you're talking about it is yeah. um, an important conversation. We need to have yeah. with ourselves as white and, like, people. Yeah, it is. And it's one of those things where it's like, everyone's like, oh, that's, she's not racist. She's not racist. It's like, well, I made a mistake that's pretty bad, guys. Like, you, you just because, you know, I like to think of myself as an, an ally. Being an ally, this is, this is the important thing. Being an ally is a verb. It's something that's active. It's something where you're constantly checking yourself. It's not just, hey, I did this or I did that. It's a constant action where you're trying to see, you're constantly checking yourself. So even if this thing didn't happen, you should constantly be checking yourself. Like, how could I be better? How did I, how, how did this mistake happen? Like, what, what did I do and what can I do? And I think that's the important takeaway is if you're really interested in being an ally, it's something that you're constantly doing and it's looking at yourself because it's, you know, this was one thing I did, but there's lots of other things that happen where it's easy to overlook something. It's easy to be like that. I'm not racist. I didn't do that. I didn't. It's very easy to do that. What's important though, is to take a step back and be like, how can I fix this? Or how did I miss this part of who I am? Um, which is not fun because you're looking into yourself, which, you know, we've learned as a, as a society to fight back constantly. Um, and I think there's a thing where people just don't want to listen. Like it's, you know, when somebody says something is racist or somebody says something is sexist or homophobic, like it's so, for some reason as a society, we want to fight back on those things all the time instead of just saying, okay, I hear you. I will be better. Like it's not, that part to me isn't hard. It's just when you're actually confronted with it and it's yourself it definitely doesn't feel good, but like, you know, it doesn't feel good racism. Like that's not good. You know, like it's like get over yourself, like get over your pride. Like your pride is get over it. So, and I think that was a moment for me where it was like, my biggest thing was I wasn't a hundred percent in this. Like I wasn't when I was making videos, I wasn't in a good place. My mom was not doing well. And as a result, there were things that I overlooked that needed to not be overlooked. And I think the biggest thing was like, I just need to take a step back because I'm making things. I I don't want to represent hockey in this way. That was not what I wanted to do. And it it caused an important conversation. It definitely did. Um, It just, again, it's not, it was never the conversation I was hoping to have in that way because it's, I don't want to, I didn't want the conversation to be because I made some horrible error that way. Um, but hey, that's sometimes that's a good thing that the conversation happens. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Sorry, I ra- again, I ramble so much, no, no. but no, I was like trying no, to run no. through it in my head. I'm like, I don't know. No. I, it, to me, it's another one of those things where it's like you want to have like you don't you don't you're not trying to focus on like how to have the greatest response. It's like how can I be better? That was always right. my thing. It's like how can I fix this? How can I, how can I fix the people that I hurt? Like that was another thing that I think people were ignoring is like, we don't, I don't ever have to worry about that. Do you know what I mean? I don't ever have to worry about somebody doing that, but like how the hell must have that felt to somebody where this is what hockey is to them. It's this place where they are mistaken 
for another person just because of their skin color. Like I can one, I can't imagine what that feels like. All I can do is try to be better and I can right. try to put myself in their shoes, but like at some level, I will never a hundred percent know it because I didn't grow up with that. I didn't have to face those barriers. Um, so it's not my job to, to one ask for their forgiveness because I don't, they don't owe anything to me. Um, the people that I hurt. So it was just a focus on me. It was just like, listen, I, I fucked up. Sorry, I keep cursing. I don't know if that's allowed. No, it's but- <laughs> like, I fucked up. I made a mistake. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter how it happened, but like what matters is this is a problem in hockey and I want to be a part of the solution. And that was really what it came down to. That's some good perspective. It can be hard to have these conversations on such a public forum where you can only yeah. say so many words, but, um, the, like starting the conversation and make yeah. like making it not about you, but about, yeah. um, how this is an overarching problem and then yeah. the empathy towards other people that this is their reality and this is, you're listening to yeah. them. It's important. Well, and I, so I tried to do the, like the Twitter thread about like hockey is for everyone where I use different voices in hockey to like, to shine a light on their stories because I'm, everyone's like, you have this platform, even to me, it's small, but in hockey, you know, whatever, when I make a video, it tends to spread. And when I do this, it tends to spread. So I try to use that platform to, to make this, you know, communal thread about, you know, hockey is for everyone. Here are voices we should be listening to. I still have it pinned, but I stopped because I appreciated somebody came to me in my DMs privately, which I really appreciated. And they just kind of highlighted that they felt that a lot of the responses were about, Jillian, thank you for doing this. Jillian, Jillian, Jillian. And I was like, that's not, and then, and that's another thing is like, again, it's so easy to want to fight back with somebody because that's not my intention. Your intentions don't matter. What matters is how everyone receives it. And I never wanted it to be about me. And that's, again, we tend to focus on the the character arc of the white person. That's what always tends to come down to. So I, I left the thread up there because there's important things that are in that thread. Um, but I stopped doing it because I'm like, this is not productive in the way that I was hoping it would be. It became about me, which is not what it was supposed to be about. Yeah. Well said. Absolutely. Th- thank you for sharing that, yes. Julian. Yeah, thanks and, and so much. To your point, you had yeah. you had people of color who have to do this work too often who were willing to work with you again. Yeah. Not you yeah. again, but with someone else again and yeah. then invested in yourself. And there's, I think there's lessons in all of us that we can be better at that. Um, yeah, we would... need to stop yelling. I think that's the other thing, like stop <laughs> yeah. yelling immediately. Like, everyone wants to fight back in, immediately. And that's just, to me, is a lot of, it's a lot of being counterproductive is like everyone wants to punch back because it hurts. Like it yeah. hurts. But I always say, put yourself in the other person's shoes as much as you can. You can't, there's, we can never fully understand what somebody else is going through, but you can try. Um, and that's the important thing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we would, we would be remiss if we did not wrap up this awesome conversation um, that I think highlights what we hope to be about both fun and important yeah. stuff. Um, we will get back to hockey talk a little bit more next week. It looks like there'll be a decision on the draft for better or worse. Um, and we'll dive into that deeply we'll next week. Um, but we wanted Jillian to join us. We're going to do one quick round of fuck, Mary kill um, before we wrap up. Um, this was submitted by a listener and very appropriate. And it's why Jillian has to be part of it. Also, because she can find the answer. Um, so, so Jillian, we'll go with you first because yeah. you have to define yeah. only Jillian yeah. and Sarah knew all of this. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the fuck Mary kill Jillian yeah. is flip cup, beer pong and King's cup. And if you could let us yeah. know what King's cup actually is and why you think more people don't know about it. So King's cup is a, obviously a drinking game with cards and each of the cards has a rule attached to it. And like, for example, if you pick, like you lay the cards out, if you pick up two, you, three, me, four, floor. So everyone's got to touch the floor. I remembered playing this game in college, but I, when you first said it, I was like, I don't a hundred percent remember what the game is. I knew it involved cards. And for that reason, that game needs to be killed because (laughs) there are too many rules. There's too many things that are happening in King's Cup. Like why does every card need to have a rule attached to it? Like who can remember that? Literally nobody because I had to Google it. Um, So King's Cup (laughs) is killed. That's that's what's got to go. King's Cup. Uh, And anyway, we had Flip Cup and Beer Pong. Correct. 
Oh, when he got married, when he got a fuck. Um, I'm gonna marry Flip Cup because Yay. obviously that's obviously <laughs> that's the one that I need a long term commitment to, and I'll just <laughs> I'll hit it and quit it with beer pong. <laughs> Shana, you're up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm gonna agree with that. Uh, Kings, Kings Cup. That that's what it's called, Kings Cup, right? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, never played it. Too many rules. I can just see the chaos of trying to like wrangle my friends to play that. Like it, it's not happening. I can no. Like you're drinking. I'm not gonna be organized and remembering rules, and then everyone's gonna be arguing over the rules. Like we literally will play like badminton, and we have rules written on uh, a whiteboard now because we argue so much, and we all have to like sign off on it. So for something with that many rules, it, no, we don't have video review with ready. It's not happening. So I'll kill that. Um. <laughs> Flip Cup, I'm going to marry. It's it's like a consistently fun game, I would say. Like, whether you're playing one-on-one, you're playing with the team. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I like it. I like the whole vibe of Flip Cup. Beer Pong, I'll fuck. Because, like, it could be really quick or it could be really long. You have that option. That's nice. And, like, sometimes it's terrible and sometimes it's great. And sometimes oh Beer Pong is absolutely horrible. And you're just like, why, why did I commit to this? And sometimes, like... You know you have some fun playing but it's eh, it can go either way so uh, that that's my choice Sarah folks <laughs> <laughs> I will marry flip cup for obvious reasons that you will see during our honorary flip challenge or whatever we're calling it with um the too many men podcast I will sure. fuck beer pong because yeah it um it's fun for a little quickie that's it though i can't do it for too much like it gets so boring after a long time so give me a quickie on and i will kill king's cup because i do like it i like it if you're at a pregame if it's a pregame i'm willing to fuck it and then i will kill beer pong i'm feeling a little spicy but i will definitely um it's a little too complicated but i enjoy it I have nothing new to add. Nothing new to add on that one. You guys killed it. We covered it. Um, We just, again, you guys, we want to wrap up. Um, First and foremost, thanks to our awesome guest, Jillian. Jillian, again, you are funny. You are smart. You're open and honest. You're vulnerable. We love it. We love you. And we love that you came on and joined us and killed it in Claws for a Cause. Um, We love all of you guys who were part of Claws for a Cause and helped us raise over $5,000. That's amazing. Um, You can, again, check out the results at our website, toomanymenpod.com. You can follow us on Twitter for more updates and updates on when the hosts are going to have their mini tournament. Again, that's at two underscore much underscore man. And don't forget, you can always buy merch to support us. It was your merch purchases that helped us put on that tournament so that we could give every single penny that you guys donated straight to charity. So that's your, you guys making things happen again. um, Did I miss anything? Um, Oh, you nailed um, it. We earned a giveaway, oh. so that will be uh, for merch. It's for a classic T-shirt. I believe it goes from Thursday to Sunday or Friday to Sunday. So thank you all for buying merch because when you do, we unlock cool things like that, you know, sales and giveaways and so on and so forth. So we will have that uh, up on Twitter soon. Jillian, thank you. We love you. Thanks. Love you guys. And love thank you. Thank you. Thanks, listeners. Yes, thank and you. we will uh, we will talk to you next week. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye.